Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. You're listening to Wannabe Minimalist with Deanna Yates, episode number 147. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Risa Williams, a licensed therapist, about self-esteem. As a mom to a young girl, I am so excited to talk to her about how to build up not only my self-esteem, but that of my child's. So stay tuned today. I think you're really going to love the lessons we talk about. Well, hey there, my wannabe minimalist friends. Welcome back to the show. I am really excited to have you here today. As always, I just love doing this podcast, and I love being a, a resource for you to come to for all of your decluttering and organization needs, but also things where we have guests that we talk about all sorts of topics. And today I am inviting back Risa Williams. Now, Risa was on the show back on episode 130, and we talked about time management techniques. She's a licensed therapist and has a really great breadth of knowledge. She and I just we really click and I really enjoy these conversations. So I know that you're going to really have a good time with this, um, this conversation too, because it's just, you're just getting to hear a conversation between two friends. And so it's really fun. She, every time she comes on the show, she has so many nuggets of wisdom to share. She has a new book out. You're, you'll hear her talk about it. And I think one of the things I love about Risa and why we get along so well is because she has these tactical solutions that really will help you in your life. But I am getting a little bit ahead of myself. I did welcome you here and I'm happy to have you back if you are rejoining us for the show. But if this is your first time here, well then welcome. I hope the information I provide and my guests provide are helpful and inspiring and you enjoy what you listen to, you want to come back for more, but more importantly, you want to take the information you hear and put it into action. Because if you're just listening, you're going to learn a lot of things, but once you can actually implement it into your life, that's where you're going to start seeing those positive changes. So I hope that we can help you do that today. And so if you do enjoy what you hear, I want to ask you for a quick favor, and I want to see if you could leave me a rating or a review. You can rate the show wherever you listen to your podcast, wherever you prefer to do that. But if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you will also be able to leave me a a review, which I really appreciate. I'm able to read those and see what resonated with you, what you liked about the show. And if there's any other topics that you want me to discuss, please go ahead and leave the suggestion. I love getting those there as well. And so thank you very much if you go ahead and do that. And then now let's learn a little bit more about Risa Williams. I did tell you she's been on the show before, so you might be familiar with her, but we'll give you a little bit of a refresher. She is the author of the self-help book series, The Ultimate Toolkits for Psychological Well-Being, which includes the Ultimate Anxiety Toolkit, the brand new Ultimate Self-Esteem Toolkit, and the Ultimate Time Management Toolkit. And she is also the host of the Motivation Mindset Podcast, which features productivity tools. She's been featured in Forbes Magazine, Business Insider, Parade Magazine, Real Simple, Wired Magazine, and HuffPost. And she writes articles for Breathe Magazine. 
So go ahead and give this episode a listen. And then when you're done, head on over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 147 to get the show notes for today's episodes with links to Reese's website, her books, and more. Again, you can find all of that at wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 147. But Risa and I are also doing a giveaway to a lucky listener of this show. So I will also have details for how you can enter that on my website. So again, go over to where you get the show notes, wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash 147, and you'll have details for how to enter that and head on over to Instagram as well. You'll be able to see the post and be able to enter there too. So that is, I'm at wannabeclutterfree on Instagram. All right, so I wish you well. She's gonna be giving away her book and then I will be giving away a 45-minute decluttering and coaching session. So very excited to see who wins and see how we can help you out. All right, enough prattling on from me and on my own. Let's go ahead and get to our conversation with Risa. Well, hi, Risa. Welcome back to the Wannabe Minimalist Show. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me back. It's good to see you. Good to see you again. I am super excited to have you back. Our conversation last time just flowed so easily, and I just really enjoyed getting to meet you and learn more about your experiences and kind of how you're helping busy moms. And you have come out with a new book since we have chatted last. So tell us yeah. about what you've been up to and yeah, what, what you're working on now. So I have a new book. It's called The Ultimate Self-Esteem Toolkit, 25 Tools to Boost Confidence, Achieve Goals, and Find Happiness. It's the third book in my Ultimate Toolkit series. And in this one, it's really teaching people how to show more kindness and love to themselves, um, self-esteem tools, self-compassion strategies, and basically just trying to get people to feel better about themselves right here and now. I love that. And I think we could use so much more of that in the world right now. Yeah. So we'll talk a little bit about social media and things like that. But first, I just want to say that I really enjoy the format of your books. I love how they're laid out. You have practical exercises. You name them all so that they're easy to remember and go back to. And I love that they're just like bite-sized, you know, activities, exercises, you know, things you can do with worksheets and everything. And then it's backed up by research. So as you go through each of the exercises, you talk about the research and and what went into it. And so I just I just wanted to give you that compliment. If oh, that's so kind. With my <laughs> Thank brain. you. The way my I think, brain works, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Well, that's all of us these days. Really, we're all so busy and overwhelmed. And I feel like there's so much information coming at us from everywhere that I was really trying to write this book in a way that made people feel less overwhelmed. It's a subject that is heavy and tends to make us feel intense things. So I approach all my books in that way, that I just want people to have an easy time reading it. And hopefully the visual analogies that I use stick in your head so that when you put the book down, there's something to latch on to and remember how to use a certain tool with a certain name or a certain image that I put together. And like you said, it has a lot of neuroscience nuggets in there that are meant for people to understand that there is some scientific basis for a lot of these strategies that I'm proposing that you try so that they can kind of buy into it more and get behind the science of how our brain works. Mm, Yeah. And I, so I think like I really resonated with the beginning. I'm going to talk a little bit about myself a little bit. So (laughs) as a mom to a girl though, I find that 
women especially are very hard on ourselves and yeah probably are too but I only can see in my brain and so you know I just understand that like there's so much just you know guilt when we don't do things the right way or you know just these feelings that am I messing things up I feel like you know I'm kind of the head of the emotional side of our home right and so I just it can be really daunting and I I'm getting more nervous especially as our daughter she's nine now as she gets to be you know kind of get through this puberty stage and this you know just the the stage where she's going she's moving from being a kid and a baby yeah queen and kind of going out and having your own friends and and getting all of this outside input into who she is and so I feel like it's really important for me as a mom to be able to shore up my own self-esteem so that I'm modeling the correct behavior for her right yeah and so I just I thought this was really great and some of the exercises I really like and I think would be really helpful even for someone her age are things like the kindness blanket can you tell us about the kindness blanket so a lot of these tools you can use with your kids I had my 13 year old who is a boy read it and he it resonated with him a lot and he kind of got it right away and I think the great thing about the younger generation is that they are really well-versed in like self-care and wellness they hear a lot about it from their classmates and their parents and just TV in general. So I don't think a lot of this is hard for them to understand, you know? So the kindness blanket is a visualization exercise. That's my first warm-up tool, which is really to get people to understand that the way you're talking to yourself is so important. So the words you're saying to yourself are affecting your moods, are affecting the stress levels in your body, and just generally affecting your sense of well-being. So the kindness blanket is the idea that I want you to picture a cozy, warm blanket that you wrap around yourself when you're not feeling well mentally. And this kindness blanket is full of kind words you can say to yourself that would sound like a very soothing, encouraging voice, such as, you know, I'm figuring things out one step at a time. I can go at my own pace. It's okay for me to slow down and be calm as a way of showing kindness to myself. So it's like covering yourself in a layer of kindness, which I find helps us connect to the parts that we like about ourselves more. It also makes it easier for us to express those kind words to others around us, to our kids, to our friends. When we are filling up our own cup, so to speak, it's easy to spill it out onto other people. And the negative words we say to ourselves often spill out onto other people, too. So that's another thing to be aware of as a parent. We can tell our kids a lot of nice things, but if we're saying a lot of negative things to ourselves, you know, that's the difficult part of being a mom is that our kids are modeling based on what we're doing, not so much just what we're saying to them. We could say, you're a great kid, you're wonderful, but then they hear us say, oh, I'm the worst, I'm so stupid, I screwed this up. It's confusing. It's like a mixed message. So you could be gushing praise, but not modeling a a healthy stream of self-talk to yourself. And they'll pick up on the difference. You know, it's so interesting that you say that, because I remember I was speaking to someone else on this show and I had mentioned that our daughter was saying, you know, we were trying tennis or something and she would just be like, oh, I'm so terrible at this or I'm so bad. I'm not, you know, and Mm -hmm. I just was thinking, like, where does she get that from? And now as you're saying it, I'm like, I mean, I (laughs) noticed back then, like, of course. But I think, too, 
I don't necessarily say that and mean that I'm the worst. Right, right. I right. think that's the scary part is that maybe I had said some of these things with a tinge of like joking or joking, right? yeah. sarcasm or like self-deprecation, but not in like a I hate myself kind of a way. Right. But as you said that, that really struck out to me like, oh, gosh, you know, there there are probably words I have said that did not have the meat. <laughs> as I said them, I meant something totally else. But if you took them on face value, which is what kids do. Yeah. He's going to have a different meaning for that. Well, and sometimes they model like just saying it playfully. But the problem is then it becomes like a habit and it mm -hmm. sticks. And one of the interesting neuroscience studies I found was that our brains don't know the difference between like saying something jokingly, I'm the worst ever, versus like serious, I'm the worst ever. We tend to react with stress when we hear those harsh words and we take it out of context. So like you're saying, that's very true probably of kids too, that they do take some of this at face value as well. So not to make anyone overly paranoid, because obviously we're all human. We say a lot of stuff. Yes. We have so much mind yeah. chatter, so much stream of like talking about ourselves offhandedly. You can't get too paranoid. It's about the balance, right? Mm -hmm. So just even thinking that like, oh, I say so many bad things, that could lead someone down a rabbit hole of low self-esteem. Like, what's wrong with me? Why does my brain do this? I'm the worst mom ever. And that would be counterproductive. What we want to yeah. do is kind of just listen. And if you catch yourself saying something super harsh to yourself, that's where you just want to pull back, get some perspective and maybe label it and say, that was a little harsh. How can I soften that and go a little more gentle, you know, in what I'm saying? Yeah. And you talk about there's the, hang on, I'm going to think of which what you call it, the self-talk meter. You talk yeah. about how you kind of have these different phases of going from that really negative self-talk to the over cheerleader almost sometimes too. I think sometimes right, right. they have to go from, well, they've been saying this, I need to say the complete opposite. And it's hard yeah. for you to make that transition between, you know, you can't really go, I'm the worst. To, oh no, I'm the best. And really yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah. Our yeah. brain will just argue with us, yeah. you know? So I'm trying to get people to not say things in such extremes. Mm -hmm. Like there is a spectrum of self-talk and there's a lot in the middle that's okay to do that isn't going to tank your mood or make you feel bad. So there's a lot of neutral types of phrases you could say. For instance, you could say if somebody's struggling, well, you know, you did some things right and some things we'll work on tomorrow. That's a more neutral kind of thing. And, you know, often our teachers say these types of things to kids, these kind of neutral phrases that don't tip your kid's mood over. They're a little bit encouraging. Maybe they're not super motivational, but it is a range. And we can get away with saying things in the more neutral range and still have that boost our self-esteem. Really, it's just like when you're way down low all day long, beating yourself up. And we've all had days like this, right? You just wake up in a bad mood. You beat yourself up all day long. You do a couple things wrong. And it's like really heavy duty, mean and harsh self-talk. That's when it's going to tip your mood. That's when it's going to affect your feelings of confidence. And that's when you need to look at, okay, how can I neutralize this a little? Am I being a little too extreme and hard on myself? And, you know, therapists will often tell people, talk to yourself the way you talk to your friend or your kid or your pet. 
And that's kind of what they're trying to get at is like, watch out for, is it so different in the way you're talking to yourself versus the way you talk to your friends, you know, to encourage them? Yeah, I get that. And, and right. So in, and just like you were saying, like, talk to yourself how you talk to your kid. I think going back to what you said about the brain, not being able to differentiate between you saying a negative thing to yourself, like saying something negative, but in a joking way, I think, yeah, that kind it's, of... It's a bit confusing to kids, right? Yeah. Because it's like two messages at once. And that's a lot for our brains to process. So the more simple you can get in your communication to your kids, to I think the, <laughs> to yourself too, yeah. the easier it yeah. is for our brains to process and hear those things and connect with the good things more. Because when you send a lot of mixed messages, also then when you give them a compliment, they kind of wonder, what does it mean? Can I trust it? Point. Right. Mm-hmm. And women, women struggle with that a lot. Yeah. You know, we struggle with hearing compliments and some of that is societal, but it's also our training to always deflect and kind of not trust the compliment, right? Like you want to bat it away and you're not letting it sit inside and like savor it and really feel it and acknowledge that you did something right. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. Fascinating. I mean, what you say about the compliment thing is so true. And it's something I really have been working on for myself because I definitely am not with compliments. I do try to do that deflection thing. Like I'll say thank you, but, or thank you 
or like, and then I'll try to diminish it. I've been really working hard on not diminishing. So I've been really trying to be intentional about just saying like, thank you. Yeah. And just sitting with it and just (laughs) sitting with it and just pausing and taking that moment to pause. But you also have something called the compliment booster, which this Uh one stuck out to me too, because again, this is something I'm really working on. And so I liked this. I liked it of you taking that moment saying thank you and then Mm -hmm. internally adding a little confidence booster like adding a little extra positivity to yourself and being able to have that in your own head of just like you know let's say this podcast comes out and someone says wow that one really resonated with me and I say thank you yes my guest was fabulous and you know what I've been working really hard on my interview skills or exactly whatever like yeah I've had a hundred and, you know, 40 something episodes come out. I've learned a lot along the way and they've I like better that. as they go, right? So I Because really it sounds like say, facts yeah. then, right? It sounds like a fact because it is a fact. You have done a hundred episodes, right. right? Like we can accept that over a hundred episodes, you are probably getting better and better with each episode. Right. So yeah, it's a compliment booster as a way of cementing the compliment internally and learning how to do that self-talk where you're encouraging yourself. So yeah, if you said, good job speaking on the show, I would right. say, oh, it's so great in my head. This isn't like out loud. Right. I'd say, thank you. <laughs> I mean, if you want to do it out loud, great. But I would say in my head, it's so great that I'm getting better at communicating. I remember even a year ago being on a podcast was so nerve wracking and Thankfully, the more I do it, the better I get at it or the easier it feels to me would be like a factual way of just acknowledging it because it is a fact. Like the more you do something, you're going to get better. You're not going to get worse over time. Right. But we do that deflection. I call it like a compliment negator. And you have to be very careful about that because, again, the message you're sending to your brain when you say, I don't deserve this compliment. First of all, it's awkward for the person just trying to give you a positive boost because now you're like arguing with them. Yeah. And they're like, I didn't sign up for that. I'm just trying to say it was okay, you know? So it's awkward. And second of all, you're not returning the positivity. You're actually giving them like a weird negative, not you per se, but I know I've done this before where I like literally argued with a person till you scare them away. You're like, no, I didn't. It was bad. You missed this. And they're like, ah. So again, like, just acknowledge the positive energy <laughs> yeah. say that I get that that's positive. I'll try to return a compliment back. And then the negating, when you're negating the compliment, you're telling your brain you're not worthy of this. I don't deserve this. That's the message underneath we're sending. And that's the kind of message over time. If you do it consistently, it's going to add up to feeling unworthy, to feeling that sense of low self-esteem. To feeling like, why do I even try? Nothing I'm doing feels like a success, you know? And so many women and so many people out there listening struggle with this right now. It's a big deal. I find most people are struggling with some aspect of celebrating their successes, not letting themselves stay in happy moments as long as they could, and just generally not acknowledging facts about things they've achieved and done. Hmm. All of that is great. But what really <laughs> resonates with me is the don't like basically don't poo-poo on someone's nice compliment <laughs> to you. Right? Why do it? We get so little kindness, you know, like generally you're just going through your day 
kindness is rare in the world. So if somebody's showing you some kindness, like let's just savor that moment and not like kick it aside. Yeah. And like look at it from a perspective of like accepting that compliment is a nicety to that person as well. Right. Like I think that sometimes makes us feel uncomfortable because maybe we don't want to be acknowledged or we feel yeah everybody on our own journey like we know how far we want to go right we know where we are in the process and sometimes we negate all of that work we've done to get there and so we just say like oh but you think of all the things that are still to come or all the things you wanted to fix or yeah what you wanted to say or how you wanted to look or you know right like the bar is so high yeah in our head way too high but But to that person it's like a huge deal whatever you just did they don't know what the bar is they have no idea and then yes taking it as as you accepting that compliment as nice as it is for you it's also nice for that other person right so i think if we're struggling to be nice to ourselves just look at it as a way to be nice to someone right it's just a kindness exchange and i think if you see it as energy rather than words it's like somebody's like giving you a little positive energy so the best you can do if you're in a good frame of mind is to just return it back and say okay. something nice yeah, and keep it flowing, right? Until it naturally will die out. Like these things don't last forever. They're just little blips. I think as women, sometimes we're trained from an early age to not make people feel bad. And I think it's very, you know, interesting to me that maybe men don't get this as heavily as women where we have to deflect things because, oh, if I look proud of myself, so-and-so will feel bad and I don't want them to feel bad. So then we make ourselves feel bad and then everybody's just feeling bad. It's not like we're trained to say, yes, I did. I actually worked really hard. Thank you so much for noticing that. If we could, as women, train the younger generation to own it a little more and say, yeah, you know, I did that and it's okay for people to say it's okay. That's an okay thing. Like no one is feeling bad because I'm just saying what I did. People right. feel bad when it's like I did it and you didn't. But hard, right. most of us are not going there, right? Like it's a rare time that somebody's going to go there. Most right. of the time we're just trying to get through it and we're just feeling awkward at being the center of attention for five seconds, you yes. know? Yes, I think yeah. that's it. Yeah, that center of attention thing is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting because so many people I work with say, oh, you know, I want more praise and I want more respect and I want people to notice it. And sometimes we have to pull back and think, well, are you noticing it when you get it now? You know, and they have this carrot on a stick idea that when I become famous or when I reach, you know, so many hits on my social media or whatever, then I'm going to feel happy. Then I'm going to feel proud. But you're just setting yourself up because you're not really practicing it now. So when something big happens to you, those feelings don't automatically happen if you haven't been practicing them along the way. Okay, let's get into the heavy one. Let's do social media. Since you mentioned it. Haha, I'm going to take it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this one I'm so nervous about. I'm terrified for social media with our child because, again, I didn't have to grow up with social media. You know, I'm of the age. Yeah, me neither. You know, cell phones didn't come out until, you know, I mean, I had my first cell phone at 19 that I bought. And, you know, you could do anything with it. Couldn't. 100 no. minutes. <laughs> you know? 
It took like an hour to type a message to somebody oh and then they couldn't even get it I half the time. You could text when I got yeah. my first phone. Yeah, I think that was a thing. And then, yeah. you know, MySpace and then Facebook. And now Facebook is totally something, totally, something yeah. totally different than it was when it when it first came out. And, and Instagram and Snapchat and all the things. Oh, my God. Okay, we're just we're going to stop. <laughs> it's too much. Too much. Mm-hmm. I am so nervous about that. And it's interesting because she's gotten into Olivia Rodrigo lately and mm-hmm. she has a song called Jealousy, Jealousy. And it's mm-hmm. it's basically acknowledging like I know that what's being posted might mm-hmm. not be real and I know I shouldn't care about what other kids that I've never met think about me, but I can't help it. Yeah. So as our children go out into the social media age, do you have any tips that we can do to help them kind of with this self-confidence and self-esteem as they're kind of stuck in comparison mode, even though they don't want to be? It's so tricky, isn't it? Because we as adults get stuck in those modes all the time, unconsciously, even when you're just scrolling on your phone. So I think it starts with us with modeling it and then we can learn skills that we can communicate to our kids. So it's one thing to say, hey, you shouldn't be on your phone, but then they see mom and dad and we're always on our phone. And they're again, it's that mixed message and it's tricky, right? So I think it's when we're on our phone and having a mindful intention of like, what am I doing on my phone right now? Like what mode mentally am I going into? Am I just doing this because I want to space out for 10 minutes because I need a break? And is it giving me that break feeling where I feel like happy or calm or is it stressing me out and getting really honest with yourself and kind of maybe as you're getting honest with yourself, explaining it to your kid who might be sitting there watching, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if they're young enough where they're still into like, what is mom doing? You know, right. like you could say, I'm taking a break from this because this phone is stressing me out right now. Modeling stuff like that is even better sometimes than just flat out making rules and trying to enforce them. Because like I said, they'll see mom and dad on their phone all day long and be like, well, you're you're scrolling, you're a grown up. I'm going to scroll too. So it's getting more intentional. Like, what am I using this phone for? Is it making me feel good or is it making me feel bad? Am I using it for work or am I using it for play? If I'm using it for play... Is it making me feel like I am in a playful, happy mood or is it making me feel a little bummed out and like now I'm beating myself up and I don't feel like doing anything, right? Or am I using it as a way to avoid doing something? And that's the one I work with people the most because I find that it is often a sneaky procrastination tool, right? Like we're like, I'm just going to get to that project, but I'm just going to sit here and look at Instagram or TikTok or whatever. And you don't do the project and you kind of know you're fooling yourself. If you can get really honest and just embrace it and be like, yeah, I'm procrastinating. Even just saying that to yourself, you cut down the amount of time you're usually doing it. But it just requires getting really honest, I think. Like, what are we doing right now with our brain? And like, why are we doing it? Yeah. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there.
Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Interesting. Yeah, I've, I, one thing I have done with her that I, I don't know, for good or for worse, you tell me, <laughs> is if I get a bad review, I will definitely yeah. tell her about it. I do Read too. I do her. that too. Yeah. Because it helps to process it. Like, how do I process this? This makes me feel weird. Yeah. And you're kind of showing them that things hurt our feelings. We're not these impenetrable robots who like right. can just be happy no matter what. We have to work on it and we have yeah. to take a minute and think like these words someone wrote really hurt my feelings for a second. Like Mm -hmm. maybe that's a good lesson too, to learn that the stuff you put out there Mm -hmm. is affecting somebody because we're not just training them to react. We're also training them to like, when you're out there leaving a bad review for someone, this is affecting somebody. We're all connected emotionally. There is a human on the other end. Yeah. Who spent a lot of time and effort doing something. Right. You know, sometimes for free, like a podcast. right? (laughs) And so like the words you're putting out there affect people. This is what I mean. Like the words we tell our brain affect people. The words we tell other people affect people, not to make you too paranoid. Yeah. But it does make us think like maybe I should be a little bit more mindful about the words I'm choosing each day to others and to myself and to my kid. Like, is there a gentler way I could say this? You know? Yeah. And I definitely I've grown a lot in the last nine years since becoming a mom. I just, you know, I think yeah. it's one of the one of the things that's made me grow the most as a human because I you're definitely. faced she's a lot like me. She's a lot like my husband too, but you know, you're faced with that mirror every day of like yeah. oh gosh, like and you you don't want to screw it up, right? Yeah, and you see them suffering in the same way you suffered, and you're like, why is this happening again? Oh, it brings up all (laughs) that negative crap from when you were a kid. Yeah, you see some kid treating him badly, and you're like, how could this be repeating itself? I can't watch it happen again. Right. It's hard. Yeah, and it is a good moment to be like, okay, how... How would I react different? How does it make me feel now? How can I move past it? What's the story yeah. I'm telling myself about that moment? Exactly. Because yeah. sometimes it's yeah. more about us. Like we'll have a big reaction totally. and the kid will be totally fine. They'll be like, eh, I don't care. They were just being mean. Who cares? But you'll have a big reaction. Like I want to protect my kid. Sometimes that's about like what's going on in me? What's the part of me that needs to be a little bit healed and soothed mm-hmm. that maybe I didn't look at from my own childhood, you know? Maybe I need to go in there and heal that inner child a little bit and tell them some nice things and say, it'll be okay. And I turned out okay. And my kid has all these coping skills I never had, you know? Right. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm fascinated by what they are taught now. And yeah, yeah. even us, what we've learned along the way to help teach them, you know, yeah, I just, I do love that part. I think they're yeah. forced to because they have a lot more pressure. I think they just have more pressure. They do. And more like information so than we ever were. Yes. Coming at them like they are exposed to a world of adult information that we yes. didn't have access to. Most of us, so you know, to guard against that as long yeah. as we can. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I know it's a real struggle. Terrifying. But you know, kids, I think today they have better coping skills because there is more of a discussion about it just mm. in popular media. Like no one was—I don't remember anyone talking about mental health or like calming down or self-care days or you know take care of your I don't remember that as much from my childhood but now it's definitely something even middle schoolers are talking about like Mm -hmm. wellness days all this stuff I'm so glad it's part of the dialogue and I hope kids are you know exposed to more of these tools and things that are out there for free and podcasts where they can just listen to this stuff and and learn it on their own if they're not getting it at home from their parents yeah. It begs the question for me, is it something that, I mean, I'm, I know it was always necessary, but is it more necessary now than it was before? And that's why we discuss it so much more. I don't think we have an answer for it. I'm not asking for an answer for it. It's just something that yeah. uh, the skeptic and like an- analytical side of me comes out and is like, is there a reason why it's more in the forefront now? Yeah. But either way, at least it's a positive, right? Yeah, maybe people are just evolving where they realize they need to think about what their brain is doing a little more on a daily level, you know? Yeah, for sure. Okay, there's one last tip that I want to talk about that you have, and it has to do with scarcity mindset. And I think that's something that can be really hard to overcome. Yeah. um, And in working through scarcity mindset. So you have a part that looks like a seesaw. Mm -hmm. So. Can you tell us about that? And that's the last tip I'll have you walk through because there are so many and I could spend all day chatting with you. Oh, thank you so much. um, But yeah, they're really, really good. So how tell us about that one. So the scarcity seesaw, I was trying to explain something that I saw, you know, as a common problem, which is we sometimes get in a place where we think something is scarce. And sometimes that's because we grew up and we had hard times or we navigated through traumas or this or that. And something was actually hard to get. So we learned that panic, like, oh, there's not enough money or, oh, I'll never find anyone to date or, oh, I can't get in a school because there's no one getting in good schools. And again, it goes back to that self-talk of I can't have this thing. I need to panic, right? Because there's so few of it in the world and everybody's getting it except me. And then on the opposite side of the seesaw would be a more abundant, you know, mindset where there's enough for everyone. I'm sure if I keep trying, these things will work out for me. And what I want people to hear is that nobody is on one side for everything and on the other side. You know, it's not extreme like this. You flip-flop throughout the day, depending on what the subject is, you're on one side or the other with different things. And that's the piece that people have trouble with because they want to just say, oh, well, I have a negative mindset on all these things, but you don't. I guarantee it. There are things you feel in your life you get easily that you just haven't examined, that you have a belief that's working out for you in that subject, right? It could be something silly, like I always get parking spaces. I was or, just going to say that. <laughs> I like parking luck. I do. I have parking luck. 
Or something like, I always walk into a store and I find exactly what I need. Or I can get the cheapest airline ticket if I try. I mean, people have all sorts of beliefs that are working for them right now. They've just never acknowledged that they're working for them. And then, you know, on the other side, it's easier for people to say, okay, well, I definitely have a scarcity mindset when it comes to money or jobs or partners or any of these things. You know, typical ones are like, how will I ever get a job? There's no jobs. How will I ever find a new apartment? There's a shortage in the city. It's these kind of ruminating thoughts where you feel like kind of unlucky in that particular subject. So how do we tip it? It's how we talk to ourselves. So I have little examples of how you would walk yourself over to a more neutral place or, you know, maybe on the higher end of feeling like things are working out for you. But again, social media really stirs that up for people, that scarcity mindset. They're like, everyone out there is getting ahead of me. That's a big one I hear. Everyone my age is doing so well. They're all going to France. They're driving fancy cars. They have six-figure jobs. Why am I not? Something must be wrong with me. I am unlucky. I'm never going to get a job like them. And we tip ourselves over so quickly just in one like scroll session, right? It's like a hundred images of they're over here, I'm over here. And there's no middle ground in your head. So it's finding that middle. Like, yes, I see an image of them doing that. I don't know the whole story. I don't know what their life is like, really. Right. You know, and like if that's something I want. How can I walk myself over to a healthier belief on that subject? Like you want to travel to Paris? Well, how would I get there? What is that like? Maybe I can engage my curiosity a little more instead of just going right off the seesaw, you know, to that extreme point of view of like, I'll never have it and everyone has it. Because that leads us to feelings of sadness of low self-esteem, of kind of feeling unmotivated to even investigate how to get there. Right. Because if we come at it from a moment, let's say, let's say, yes, I want to go to Paris. Okay. Well, if you come at it more from a, and instead of a, I'll never be able to do it. Yeah. How can I do it? What do I need to do in order to go to Paris? Well, you're going to need a plane ticket. You're going to need a hotel room. Yeah. You're getting more in the rational side, right? Like the steps. Yeah. You're thinking, well, come up with solutions, right? And your brain will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you tell your brain where you want to go, it'll get there. But if you're saying, I'll never go, your brain's not generating solutions to the problem. Yeah, it's like, okay, thanks for taking me off the hook for that one. Yeah, it's like, okay, I guess you want to stay here. I mean, and if you think of it like from a broader perspective, instead of like, I am not in Paris right now. Well, I'll bet in one or two years time, you know, it would be a reasonable thing if I save a little bit and I plan, I could probably get there. I mean, people are going every day there. So there must be some way humans are able to get to Paris, right? It gets you in that mindset of possibility as opposed to scarcity, which can really boost your self-esteem once you flip that switch a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been talking with our daughter too about, yeah, social media and just when you, what you see on social media generally tends to be the good stuff, you know, yeah. post the picture of what they look no. like when they hop, like right when they roll out of bed and or when they're oh. throwing up from the stomach oh. flu or getting yeah. a parking ticket or anything. Yeah. No. We're not no. doing our everyday yeah. boring moments. We're posting our victory moments, yes. but it mm. creates this story that everyone has victorious moments constantly, oh. which we know is not true. Right. We know it. Even yeah. celebrities, even people we really admire are not having this nonstop string of happy victory moments. Right. Absolutely not. And I love how you said on that seesaw, 
some people are up on one and down on another, you know, you're not and up it goes, on everything, yeah. you're not down on everything. And just, it's the same thing there, right? Like people- Just finding might... your balance. Yeah, I love yeah, yeah, yeah. I love because it. it gets you to look at the people around you, not like you're in competition with them. Yes, like, yes. oh, why do they all have a great money story? You know, why are they all thinking money is abundant? And I'm the only person in this friend group who doesn't want, you don't know that. They might right. have trouble, you know, looking for a job or finding something fun to do or getting on the plane to Paris. We're all over the map with all different subjects of, you know, what what subjects do we get stuck on and which ones do we have some movement forward on? And you have some right now that are working for you. So a big part of my book is look at what's working for you right now. There are always these little beliefs, like something as silly as I always get a parking spot. Well, that's a belief that's working for you right now. We should maybe celebrate that a little more and get a little yeah. sillier about it. And think, oh, yeah. wow, okay, in this tiny area, I have good luck. That's great. What other tiny areas do I feel lucky in? Do I feel proud of? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, let's end it on that. So where can people find you, Risa? So my new book is at theultimatetoolkitbooks.com, and you can order all three of my books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Target, or generally just bookstores around the world are carrying it right now. And you can go to my website, risawilliams.com. And I talk about my tools on my podcast, The Motivation Mindset, which is on Apple and Spotify. And I know you've been on as well. Yes. And we're doing a fun yes. giveaway. Actually, yeah, let's talk about that. So we will be doing a giveaway together. So when this episode airs, you will be able to enter for a free copy of Risa's new book and mm-hmm. a 45-minute virtual clutter and coaching session with me. So that'll be really fun so the lucky winner gets two things and i'll also announce it on my podcast with you and then hopefully we'll get some lucky winner to read the book and take you up on the decluttering which right now is a big thing it's spring cleaning and everybody's looking to do this yeah so yeah now is the time right and i it feels so interesting. It's such an energy. Like even our daughter is like excited to like, she's like, okay, let's clean out my room. Yeah. I I think because we're getting to the end of school and the stuff is just piling. Their backpacks are like 40 pounds right now. Yeah. Right. Poor kids. Well, Risa, I have really enjoyed this conversation and I'm so excited and congratulations on the book. I, you know, like I said, I really do love them. I've read a couple of them now and I've got to get the third one so that I round out my uh, trio. Thank you so much. Thanks (laughs) for all you do as well. And I'm excited to do this giveaway with you. Yeah, this will be great. Well, have a great day. Thank Thank you. Cheers. Bye. So what'd you think? Did you enjoy the conversation as much as I did? I hope that the information she provided was helpful. I know I definitely learned a lot from her today and from her book. So if you are struggling in the self-esteem area, I highly recommend that you check it out. But now it is your turn. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. If you had any favorite parts, if you had any big takeaways, if you had any little takeaways, I would love to know. Come on over to the Wannabe Minimalist Family Group on Facebook and give it a share. Sharing what you learned will help you retain it, and it helps you put it into practice easier, and it might just be the thing that someone else needs to hear today in order to help them on their journey. And thanks again to Risa for joining us on the show and sharing so many nuggets of wisdom. 
I love that we're doing this giveaway together. So make sure you are checking us both out. Go over to the show notes at wannabeclutterfree.com slash 146. I'm sorry, 147. Again, wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 147 to get information on how you can enter that giveaway for a free book from Risa and a declutter session with me, a virtual declutter session. As always, thank you so much for joining me on this show today. And if you made it this far, just a reminder that I would be thrilled if you left me a review on Apple Podcast. It will only take you a minute or two and it just makes my day. So thank you so much. And with that, I hope you have a fantastic day and I will see you back here next week. I will be chatting with Gretchen Dow about habits and the five tips that she says that we should do in order to make our habits successful. It's a really great episode and she and I share a lot of the same thinking and intentionality. And so I think you will really enjoy that conversation as well. I'm Deanna Yates and you've been listening to Wannabe Minimalist. Cheers. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.